news and sports television has decided that you will be more interested in them if they show more interest in you. So they've begun asking for your opinion throughout their broadcasts. It's meaningless, but they ask, and then they publish it scrolling along the bottom of the screen. You may have seen this. They did this a lot in Spartanburg. Sally and I were always both amused and frustrated by our news because they would interrupt a professional journalist to give us somebody from our county's opinion. They would have somebody they had paid to go and research the latest Supreme Court decision and the, the person would come on and tell us what had happened and then Cal Penn's 215 girl would text in, fire them all. Or, or Shane from Spartanburg would tweet, I don't trust men in robes. We always were amazed that this was our news. Well, the church is, is guilty sometimes of paying attention to the culture and seeing what's trendy and, and borrowing from it. So there are churches now that are experimenting with letting people text in their thoughts during the sermon and publishing those on the screens above the minister's heads. <laughs> I'm not sure I would want above my head, get on with it, Will. <laughs> or, I got out of bed for this. But the benefit is, you could save the time. You could do it in real time. Wouldn't have to wait to the parking lot to critique the sermons. I still wonder how you would actually focus on what we were saying up here if you were trying to think about your next clever or even sentimental text. Still today, just today, I, I'd like that piece of technology. I'd like to ask you a question and see the poll as your responses came in. I'd like to know from you why you think we are to observe the Sabbath. Now, I imagine most of us would say as Josh has shared with our, our children, straight out of Exodus, that we observe the Sabbath because God created six days work and on the seventh day rested, which is a perfectly legitimate answer, perfectly biblical. But there's another set of Ten Commandments. It's in Deuteronomy, and, and most of the law is the same, but the rationale is different. Deuteronomy 5. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, or your son, or your daughter, or your male or female slave, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath holy.
You were a slave, but you are no more. You have people who work for you, but not on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for resting, and the Sabbath is for celebrating. Every week we are to set aside time to come and celebrate that God has set us free. Set us free from slavery to sin. Set many of us free from other oppressions that have been part of our life from injustice. From the crippling effects of disease or abuse, others' abuses, our own abuses. The Sabbath is for celebrating that God has set you free. There was a woman who was bent over in pain for 18 long years, bound by an illness, enslaved by an illness. Some of you have severe back pain, and so you might be able to imagine what she went through day after day for 18 years, bent over so that it hurt even to look up. She saw more feet than faces. She'd grown accustomed to the pain. She may well have stopped asking for healing. Just determined that this was her lot in life. Others would have thought it too, thought it was some judgment against some sin she committed, some sin her ancestors committed. Why else would God keep her bound in such a way for 18 long years? She walked through her days shamed because others assumed that she had sinned, that she was full of guilt. She lived with her brokenness, with her pain. The woman appeared where Jesus was teaching. We don't know with her crippled body if she saw him. But he saw her. Luke tells us. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. She was set free and began praising God. Don't we wish the story ended there? It's a Sabbath day. Jesus has taught and then revealed his divinity. He's gone from saying that God is, is merciful and loving to acting in ways that show God's love and mercy. The woman stands up straight and she does every, what we are all called to do on the Sabbath day. She begins praising God. The oppression, the the slavery that she has been through for these long years now pulls her as she's liberated from it, from a posture of brokenness to a posture of, of praise. Someone in the congregation texted, Blessed be the name of God Almighty. The Sabbath, the Sabbath is now celebrated for yet another liberation.
If only the story ended there. There's a but. There's always a but, isn't there? But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. Interesting that the synagogue leader had to keep on saying it. It's as if he had to go around and tell these people because they were too caught up in the moment, too caught up in the celebration to have heard just one, don't do that. He kept on saying, work is for another day. The synagogue leader couldn't see it. He couldn't see what joy there was or why. He wasn't bent over, only looking at the ground for 18 years, but his vision had been clouded. He had lost his line of sight. He could only see the Sabbath as something to protect, not as a gift. He was so caught up in keeping people from harming the gift that he missed the point of it. An attempt, an attempt to keep people from breaking the Sabbath. He missed its meaning. I have another question for you. Where is my interactive screen when I need it? I want to find out from you how many of you received a bunch of china at your wedding and have very carefully placed it into a cabinet where it sits safely even today. Actually, I don't want to know. Because I think I know the answer. I think it's plenty. Plenty of people have done that throughout their lives. My mother was only converted from that when my sister and I went through our weddings. As she saw the plates start to pile up, she thought of her own plates piled up and thought, wonder what good they are just sitting in that cabinet. It's a good question. Is a plate that is in perfect shape but never used as good as a plate with a chip in it that's been enjoyed? We do that sort of thing. We take a precious gift, something valuable, and we, we lock it away for safekeeping. We don't want anything to happen to it. And you know what happens? We get what we ask for. Nothing happens to it. We have a useless gift, well-preserved and never enjoyed. We do that with China. We do that with people. Just as a synagogue leader did that with the Sabbath. We work so hard to protect our China, or to protect people that we miss the joy of, of living together, of life shared, the gift that they are. Thankfully, there's one more but in the story. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites. 
Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all of his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm sure you caught Jesus' play on words. People were willing, didn't really have a choice, actually. People would take their animals who had been bound and unbind them and lead them to somewhere where they could get water on the Sabbath day. They were willing for that to happen. But they weren't willing for a person bound in her oppression to be set free on the Sabbath day. In other words, thinking that they are protecting the gift of the Sabbath, they strip it of its meaning and let suffering, not praise, go on. I've never read Pollyanna, the Eleanor Porter classic. It's a hundred years old this year, so I'm planning to read it to my children. I haven't read it, but I have seen the Disney version. So I know something of the story. And I have to tell you, I'm impressed by the preacher's conversion in it. He's out on a Saturday in the fields preparing his sermon, working up his, his fervor so he can give it to the, the congregation the next day. They had the gall to think they could have a bazaar on a Sunday evening to raise money for some charity. So he was preparing his sermon. When, when Pollyanna walks up, he doesn't even notice her because he's in a rage talking about the abomination that these people are and he's got his Bible ready to smack. Finally, she, she interrupts him. And she has a note from her aunt who's trying to encourage him to give the congregation all that he can. She says, Do you like being a preacher? It's as if he's never even thought of that as something you could like. He doesn't know how to answer that question. She goes on, my father was a preacher and, and he came across a quotation that, that changed him. She had it on a, a locket and the minister read, it's from Abraham Lincoln. When you look for the bad in mankind expecting to find it, you surely will. Her father had pointed out to her that God told us 800 times to be glad and rejoice. So he must have meant for us to do that. The next day, the people come to the service expecting to be told what was wrong with them one more time. The preacher gets up and says, A girl in our congregation told me yesterday that there are 800 times in the Bible where God tells us to rejoice. But I need to tell her she's wrong. There are 826 times in the Bible where God tells us that. So he apologizes for having yelled at them for the last four years. 
And then he ends the sermon with, let's go outside and enjoy this Sunday for a change. And while you're out appreciating the sunlight, give a little thought to the one who's sending it to you. He tells them he expects to see them at the bazaar that night. Because it'll be a good time for a good cause. Jesus didn't heal that woman on the Sabbath to show that he's above the law. He healed her on the Sabbath because that was fulfilling the law. The Sabbath is for praise and rejoicing. It is for liberating. It is for having a truly good time. He healed a woman bent over for 18 long years and she praised God for it. And the crowds rejoiced because of it. And there was joy on that Sabbath day and God was honored. It may sound Pollyanna. But that's what the Sabbath is for. And you can text or tweet or skywrite that. Amen.